When we listen to podcasts, we're often really curious about the hosts. Who are they? What do they do for work? What star signs are they? And can they abide pineapple on their pizza? Most importantly, why do they choose this topic to talk about and not the billions of other topics out there? So with this in mind, in this Bod Almighty special episode, we would love to introduce you to ourselves. Yes, we really want to share some of our personal journeys with you. Our relationships with body image and confidence in the past and, you know, how they're tracking now. Also how we met each other, why we started this podcast. And just like we love to know about and hear from you guys, we want you to know who we are. So without further ado, let's get into it. So we're going to kick off with a little bit of a chronological question, starting from the very beginning. Michelle, I'm curious to know, what did you love about your body when you were a kid? I don't really have any memories of loving anything about my body as a child. I mean, I must have when I was a young baby and and all of that, but I, I really was thinking about this. And sadly, the first memory I have about how I feel towards my body was kind of a negative one at around probably age eight or something. So... Yeah, I I actually thought really hard and I I can't think about what I, yeah, what I loved about my body when I was younger. What about you? The things that came up for me were were completely functional things. So I loved that when I was a kid, I was really into swimming and I felt like I was quite good at swimming. And I also remember having a bike that we used to, I used to cycle around and, you know, without a helmet on back in the day. Um, (laughs) And just love the feeling of, you know, going fast and just feeling free. I remember I learned how to water ski and I liked that I I was able to do that. So everything that came to mind for me was, were functional things, things that my body could do or I could do in my body. And it was probably um, before I was aware of um, different values placed on different kinds of bodies based on their appearance. It was more about what I could do in my body. It was like a, it was a sense of, it was a sense of freedom and kind of lack of awareness really than, than awareness, if that makes sense. What a blissful space to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm curious to know, when do you think you first learned that some bodies are more valued than other bodies? If you think back. I found this quite hard. It made me realize I mean, I was probably around seven or eight and I remember thinking I was too tall and I hated that I was tall and I wanted to be little and short and petite. And I looked at the other girls in my class who were little and short and didn't have giant feet like I did and really wanting to be shorter. Um, And it kind of made me realize, yeah, it started with that. Then it was about how big I was. Um, And, you know, looking back, I was just a a scrawny little kid and it makes me so sad I want to go and hug little seven or eight year old Michelle you know and be like don't like yeah yeah, I I mean I don't know I don't know why where does that come from like it's so sad that to be that age and to feel that your body's not valued and your body's not good enough and it, it should be changed like and it was quite pervasive like it wasn't just the odd thought it was you know it was quite pervasive for me so um yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I struggled to figure out where where I learnt those, where I got those messages from. Did you? Yes, I read. Yeah, I thought about it a lot. Um, because it's terrifying to think, like, I don't know, being a parent yourself. You know, you're like, well, how can I stop my kids feeling like that? Like, what is it? Where did that come from? Did you do? What did you figure out then when you 
you know, you thought about that yourself. I struggled too. I struggled to, to find a line between those between those experiences of feeling free and unaware of my body and then suddenly being so aware. I couldn't figure out where the line was. Yeah, it just felt like it came on from somewhere at some point and then all of a sudden, like you say, it was pervasive, it was constant, it was a niggling fear of wanting to be smaller or remain small, um, that there was a certain type of body that you didn't want to have, that you had to try and avoid. Um, I too was, um, you know, have big feet and am taller. And I've, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I've often wanted to be shorter and I've spoken to people who are shorter who think that <laughs> that's just crazy. Yeah. But the idea yeah. that I just felt quite a strong sense that as a girl, I should be small. Yeah, the girls should shame. be small. You know, I, I think there are lots of, there's just a lot of comment, comments that parents, um, other women made that I soaked up very quickly. I, I, I think I've always been quite good at figuring out the rules of the room, you know, like figuring out mm. what's going on with how you should be, how you should, how other people want you to behave. Like I remember my mum said to me, you always seem to figure out what the teachers want from you. I mean, that's, that's how I got through high school was I just would figure out what the teachers want and then I'd give them what they want. Mm. And so it was really clear to me even in, in explicit and completely implicit unspoken ways that girls had to be a certain way and women had to be a certain way. And mm. that particularly that was um, being small. So for you, what really confirmed that idea then for you that your body was one of the not so good bodies or needed to change? You know, how, how did you know that for sure? And what, what changed after that? For me, I had, I really had quite a thin body for quite a long time in my life and I didn't realize that so for me it was about there was, it was like a constant fear um, around keeping it small or making it smaller and smaller being better um, so I went on my first diet when I was in primary school with my mum which was a convalescence diet for people who had just come out of hospital and neither of us had been in hospital so well, neither of us needed that I'm sure people who came out of hospital didn't need it either. But anyway, there was a lot of tuna and beetroot mm. in that diet. I remember it distinctly because I have a really clear memory of being at a beach with another family and all of the, the other people other than my mum and I eating hot pizza out of the box on the beach and mum and I eating tuna out of a can, beetroot out oh. of a can <laughs> in a plastic container. Oh. <laughs> So depressing. <laughs> I mean, tuna and beetroot are fine, but you know, when there's pizza on offer and yeah. you're, I don't know, I don't even know how old I was. I mean, I mean, it must've been nine or 10 or something like that. Anyway. So I think I just took on a lot via um, sort of an osmosis, you know, just soaking it in from conversations, television, magazines, conversations at school um, and a really strong instinct for understanding the rules of engagement. Yeah, how about you? What confirmed the idea that your body was one of the not so good bodies or needed to change? Yeah, I think for me, I don't actually remember when my first diet was, but I, I distinctly remember getting praise after having dieted um, and being thinner. And that was it. I was hooked. You know, like I was like, oh, okay. Now my body's acceptable. 
It obviously wasn't before. That confirms everything I knew, uh, that it wasn't acceptable before. Um, And that really started me on like a lifetime of yo-yo dieting, uh, which got more and more extreme, you know, as the years went on. So I think I was always in pursuit of that high of just having lost weight, everyone telling you how good you looked, and then inevitably, you know, because no diet works forever, you know, you end up back where you were and, you know, for me, each time a little bit bigger. So I was always chasing that and, yeah, just getting more and more extreme as it got harder and harder. It was just kind of a vicious cycle. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm the most stubborn, like you ask all my friends, they'll they'll tell you like I'm stubborn, I'm strong-minded, you know, if I want something, I'll go get it. You know, and I remember thinking, why can I not do this? And I really felt I had failed myself. It was the one thing in life I couldn't conquer. Everything else I wanted, I had done. I had achieved. Tick, tick, tick. Why was this the one thing that kept defeating me? So, yeah, it really set me up for, I think, a lifetime of feeling shame, feeling failure. And interesting that you, although it went against every other aspect of your life, you felt that it was a personal failing. I know. Isn't that interesting that I was willing to believe that? I had so much confidence in myself in so many other areas of my life. Why was, yeah, why was I so willing? And I think just because that's all you're told. Like no one had ever said to me, actually diets don't work long term. Like it's okay. It's not you. (laughs) It's the diet. I mean, that's why there's a billion dollar diet industry, right? Because there's no one thing out there that if, if we had an answer, <laughs> we would all have the answer, right? It would be easy. And nobody would need to purchase anything again. That would just be the one answer. Done. Exactly. And also this myth that perpetuates, don't you think, around it being easy? We yes. keep getting told it's just easy. It's just easy. Yeah, it's just calories in, calories out. Yeah. What led you out of that? What was the final straw in your pursuit to make your body different? It was more of a gradual dawning really I distinctly remember the last diet I ever did I was pregnant with my youngest daughter Sylvie she's nine now and I remember I was on a diet and I found out I was pregnant with her and then a little while after that we had the scan found out she was a girl and I've got two other girls so I was just like oh my god amazing like three girls and then it kind of hit me like oh my god This is a responsibility like these. I've got three girls looking to me on how to it's going (laughs) to it's going to make me cry. How to move through this world as a woman and how to, you know, how to be as a woman and the response, the full responsibility of that hit me like I I am not, you know, I'm a bit broken (laughs) I'm only going to pass on bad stuff, you know, as I, as I am now. I decided consciously then, you know, not to diet anymore. But I then got into the whole, you know, wellness culture in a huge way. And it just became a replacement for dieting for me. So, you know, I wasn't dieting anymore. That started becoming a bit out of vogue. I was like, oh, it's just about moderation. And then I was not eating sugar <laughs> at all. Like if you ask all of my friends, I'd be like, oh, yeah, mission her weird food obsessions. But I don't think anybody really knew and they probably still don't um you know the extent of what it was for me I've never formally been diagnosed with an eating disorder but that you know there's no doubt in my mind um 
it was pretty dark, like the anxiety, the constant obsession with food, what I could eat, what I couldn't eat, when I'd eat and what I'd eat and how much I'd eat and what I was allowed to eat was overwhelming. Yeah, I think I hit it pretty well, but you know, there was a little part of me that knew that this wasn't right and it wasn't how I should live. And I actually remember stumbling across, you know, this is how you and I met through Isabel's course. I remember stumbling across that and reading her website and showing it to my husband and just crying and saying, oh my God, this is a thing. Other people feel like this. This is a, this is a problem. <laughs> and I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. I can't live like this anymore. And he was like, do it, do the course. And the rest is history, I guess. That was kind of the really life-changing moment for me that really turned everything around. Yeah. What about, what about you? Well, I guess just for listeners, I was thinking it'd be helpful to explain. So Isabel's course, so that's Isabel Fox and Duke. And she had a, has an online course called Stop Fighting Food. Both of us have talked about how much the content on her website really resonated for us. Yeah, it just blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. What about you? What was the final straw for you that, that helped you get freedom? I think like you, there were probably various moments that added up that, that created, you know, added up to a greater sum that made me take some action. For me, I was really kind of getting into some disordered eating behaviors around the end of high school. And then that led to, and like you said, you know, it's kind of quite persistent. It was just the methods might change, but the, the thoughts were consistent, which were that I needed to be thinner. My body wasn't right. Being thinner would change everything. Being thinner would make everything better and me better. And so in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with bulimia. And that was when I was living in London. But it's interesting the point you made about not being formally diagnosed. And, you know, whilst I had an official diagnosis, quote unquote, really the mindset was the problem. So... I know a lot of, you know, I've watched lots of documentaries about eating disorders and people often focus on the physical outcomes. You know, they'll talk about extreme weight loss or extreme behaviors. They'll talk about losing, you know, your period or other kind of physical effects. But I would say, you know, the, the, whether you're diagnosed or not, disordered eating behaviors and disordered eating mindset particularly is what really just kind of crushed me and kept me small and kept me obsessed for years and years and years and years. So finally, um, in my late 20s, early 30s, I decided, you know, enough was enough. And I pretty much ceased um, my disordered eating behaviors. So I wasn't as uh, restrictive around food. I was not throwing up. But like I say, you know... <laughs> I almost had another whole decade of not officially being bulimic, but actually just carrying around the same mm. prison in my head that was just keeping me still obsessed and still frustrated and still constantly feeling like a failure. So I was the same as you. I said to my husband, I just, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted because it was taking up so much of my headspace. Mm. And I can't even remember how I found Isabel Fox and Duke's website, but the stories that she had on there and the, the content that she shared around 
you know, things like, are you, do you feel crazy around food? That stuff really resonated for me. And I said to Matt, I really want to do this course. Um, and he was really supportive about it. And it, yeah, it changed everything because just not having disordered eating behaviors didn't fix or didn't help me get out of the mindset. And what for you was the biggest aha moment in that course? Was there anything that kind of really blew your mind? Um, the thing that sticks with me is something that I think it sticks with me because I think it's really funny, which was, I remember she had a coaching call. And so people can ring in with um, their views or questions or frustrations. And I remember somebody called in and they were really stuck on, and I think a lot of us have been in this position, stuck on health, stuck on, yes, but we need to eat in moderation. Yes, but we need to be healthy. What about health, 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 health? And one thing that Isabel said was, firstly, you need to define what health is for you. So does health look like constantly thinking about food and constantly restricting food? Like how does that impact your health and think about your mental health? And then she also said, look, no matter how healthy you, you make yourself, um, you can't stop genetics, you can't stop aging, and you might walk out and get hit by a bus. So she said, look, yes. we, you, know, you know we're all going to die, right? We all will die. And I know this sounds so ridiculous, but I honestly found that to be a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, she's right, we do all die. It's yeah. like such an obvious truth. Um, anyway, puts everything so, into perspective, doesn't it? It does because you've got to question how that pursuit is impacting the life that you're living now because you only get mm. one and it is going to come to an end no matter how hard you try it. And it might have yes. nothing to do with your weight. You might literally walk out and get hit by a bus. And then you will have spent X number of years, you know, measuring out your carrots or something. So yeah, the, the, we're all going to die. Um, truth bomb made an impact on me. How about you? <laughs> yeah. I remember that well as well. I felt the same. Um, yeah. The health was a big thing for me. I think discovering health at every size, which, you know, is a movement, a book by Lindo Bacon, who we've interviewed on the podcast, yeah, that to me was a revelation that if that if health is a value to you, and you know it is to me, you can go for that at any size. So for me, it was about letting go of the idea of, oh, to be healthy, I have to lose weight. And instead I was like, well, why don't I just focus on health behaviors? Like I love exercise. I can exercise at any size. I can eat, you know, I love veggies and salads. I can eat those at any size. Like, so for me, it was really about going, actually, you know, it's fine to focus on the health, but like that doesn't have to equal weight loss. Like those two things don't have to go hand in hand. And that was quite a revelation for me and a good first step and letting go of that, um, you know, for me, unattainable, endless pursuit of thinness and instead just shift my focus to focusing on health, which was, you know, such a a better mindset to be in. And to use that buzz buzzword, it's that uncoupling, isn't it? Yes. Health from weight, which I, I'm the same as you. I had always put those two things together in my head. I couldn't imagine that those two things could be separate. Could be same. Could be yeah. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening to that now and struggling with that concept, check out the Lindo episode in our podcast. It's so good. So when I'm curious to know now, you're in a different place now, but do you still have moments? Like when do you find it the hardest? 
now to accept your body as it is. When, and this is something again I learned on Isabel's course, but when I'm feeling anxious and stressed and out of control in my life, that's when I start picking on myself and my body and thinking, oh, well, maybe I can, maybe I should diet. From Isabel, we've learned that, you know, eating disorders are really closely linked to anxiety and often it's a control thing. And when you are feeling out of control in your life and you might not even realize, like sometimes, you know, I might catch myself like having a bad day and thinking, oh God, maybe I do need to start trying to diet again. Um, and then I go, hang on, hang on a second. Okay. What's going on in your life? And I'll stop and I'll think. And when I really examine things, I'll realize that something's happened that's been particularly stressful or, um, you know, I'm feeling a bit out of control. And that's such a go to. Oh, I, can't, I need to control something. It'll be this, you know, like a canary in the coal mine. Like it's a, it's an indicator that there's other things going on that you're finding difficult. Exactly. And so what I find more helpful then is to, to try and like, OK, well, what, how can I deal with that issue? Um, you know, do I need to like meditate a bit more and, or do I need to talk to someone about something that I'm feeling upset about, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a really good sign to me now that hang on, something's happening in your life that you're feeling a bit out of control about. So let's try and deal with that instead. What about you? What's, yeah. When do you find it hardest to accept your body? Yeah. I think what you, what you've described is bang on. I definitely feel find it difficult when there's other stuff going on and you know for example let's talk about lockdown so oh god yeah (laughs) the biggest out of control stress lockdown is an anxious time and like you said you know sometimes you can fix quote unquote again uh remedy heal i don't know support yourself when you're going through difficult experiences or emotions or you know for example you know feel as you say feeling anxious you can reach out to a friend or meditate sometimes there's literally you just have to go through it and I Mm. really struggle with that I struggle to allow difficult emotions to just be like I Mm. really just want to fix them all the time and make them go away Um, relatable so I'm trying I'm trying to to I'm trying to let them just be because of course diets get sold on the premise that they will make everything better and they'll make you feel better and everybody will give you praise and you'll be more desirable and you'll be seen as having more willpower and more intelligent so they're like they are sold as a magic Mm. cure and so it's hard not to be sucked into that and think well I feel bad so I'm going to do something that makes me feel good and this thing over here says it's going to make me feel good and it's going to make my whole life good yeah um but also yeah. i struggle with on a i guess on a practical tangible level i i struggle with photos from my past um i struggle with togs swimwear um i struggle sometimes if i am going to see people that haven't seen me for a while and i have a sense of and i worry that they're going to think um think badly about me or my body and i worry when i have to go to f- fancy events you know like i have if i have to dress up and I worry when my knees hurt because I've really swallowed the um, myth again that you need, you know, the only way to cure sore knees is to lose weight. So, yeah, those are some practical times. And I, I just think it's really helpful because I feel like you and I are in a really good place with our body image. And yet, you know, we still struggle. We with still it. have bad days. Yeah, for sure. Which is, I think, is really normal. Um 
yeah, there's no paradise waiting here at the other side. <laughs> it's it's constant work. I mean, I will say it, it feels like paradise compared to how I was <laughs> yeah, 10 years yeah, ago. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. And when do you find it easiest to accept your body? Like when do you have oh, good moments? Yeah. Yeah, I love this question. When I am doing things with my body that I love, when I'm, I love dancing, when I'm dancing, when I'm swimming in the ocean, you know, preferably naked at 6am on a deserted beach, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm, when I'm riding a bike, you know, I, I love that saying your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And I think it's that. I think when I'm in the moment, in my body, doing something I love, um, that's really functional and I'm, you know, I just think, God, I'm so glad I can do this. You know, I'm so privileged. I'm so lucky. Like I'm alive. Here I am doing this thing that I love. Um, yeah. And I just, I love that. I feel really grounded and just really happy to be alive and in my body. Yeah. What about you? I love that. Um, all of that. <laughs> and also I find when I'm, when I'm with other women who are my size or, or bigger, um, you know, when I'm with that, that I just find that so, I feel so accepted and acceptable and I, I love that. Um, and people who, you know, people who really get it, people who have been through this journey, who have restricted, who have been in such a dark place, like you described and mm. are now out the other side and who are trying to accept their bodies, actively trying to accept their bodies, being with those people is really uplifting for me. Yes, the community. And also just really old, good friends um, or my sister or people who I, you know, who've just known me for such a long time and there's a deeper connection. You know, they're not, the, the, my body is just really just a shell and they value my relationship with them on a much deeper level and I trust that and I feel... Um, I just feel acceptable. Oh, so good. You mentioned giving that eight-year-old Michelle a cuddle. Mm. And I'd love to know what you would tell, what you wish you could tell your younger self. I think what I would want to tell my, my younger self is, this isn't normal. The way you're feeling, you shouldn't just have to accept this and live like this. I think I just spent so long, you know, most of my life really thinking that this was normal and this was how everyone was. So yeah, I think I would just want to say this isn't normal. Get help. Go and talk to someone. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I I vividly remember the Karen Carpenter story. There was like a TV, they'd done like a TV drama series. Do you remember that? We watched it in science class. I think that was the extent of like body image education in, in yeah. my high school. I think they thought they would scare us into like never having an eating disorder. But that to me, like, just cement, like, all I could think about was, you know, the eating disorders were for people who were so thin, like Karen Carpenter, that, you know, they died or they nearly died. It's still to this day, like, I, I think people think, well, if you have an eating disorder, you have to be dangerously thin. But, you know, people, what I've learned and what people don't realize is that, you know, eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes. It's a mental thing. Um you know, you can't tell from just looking at someone. So yeah, I would just want to tell my younger self, you know, how, what you're feeling isn't normal, you know, get help. Mm. And also you're enough as you are, you know, just as simple as that really. Yeah. How about you? What advice would you have? I wish 
I could help my younger self to understand that becoming thinner is not magic. Um, I, when I was in Isabel's, doing Isabel's course, I wrote a list of all the things that would happen when I was thinner. So I really just, I got it out of my head and onto paper. So when you're thinner, Hannah, what, what's going to happen? And I wrote down this magical life that I <laughs> thought was going to happen. And there were things on that list that were, it was like, when I'm thinner, I'll have more confidence in these environments. When I'm thinner, I'll be able to speak in public. I'll do, you know, I'll be this great public speaker. Um, and I just really allowed myself to visualize that whole life. When I'm thinner, these sorts of people will be attracted to me. My, I'll, be the, I'll be successful in these ways. And I looked at this mm. list and it's like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> how, am, how is losing weight going to help me be a better public speaker? Yeah. Oh my God. You know, and I, but it was so helpful and I wish I could, I wish my younger self could see it, could, could, could have written it down and looked at it and gone, what is this? What is this magical thinking? Um, because I, yeah, I just felt like, I feel like that would have been really, really helpful. Um, and the same as you, just Aroha, just love. Mm. So who motivates you to accept your body as it is? I am motivated by the memories of the pain and frustration of restricting, but sometimes because the messages are so pervasive that thin is better and thin is easy to attain. And here's the answer, the latest diet craze. I think sometimes it's, it's easy to forget how awful that time was. Mm. Um, and so my kids, honestly, like you mentioned, really motivate me to accept my body as it is. I've got three daughters too. And I don't want this to be the legacy that I give them. I want them to have other things to be passionate about and make mistakes over. Um, so, yeah, it really is those, those three girls that really do motivate me because I think I'm such a demonstration. I know that there's so much that you learn from your mum and from the older women that are in your life when you're a little girl about, like I said, how a woman should be. So the idea of presenting something really different to them is hugely incentivizing. Yeah, same. Um, you know, my girls, they're the reason I'll put on my togs and, you know, walk down to the water like it's nothing. Um, why I'll, you know, just wear what I want to wear happily, be confident. Like they, there's so much motivation for me. And that I want them to see it doesn't matter what size you are. Everyone deserves to be happy, successful, yeah. and can be happy and successful, um, no matter what size you are, you know, and swim and go to the hot pools and, and all of that stuff. And I want them to know through that, I want them to learn that they are worthy of, you know, love and acceptance, no matter what they look like. Um, yeah, I hope that by... By modeling that, they will understand that it doesn't matter what you look like. That's the, you know, the least important thing about us. Um, just go and live your damn life, you know, for God's sake. <laughs> I love it. Go live your damn life. Because there's <laughs> the, I agree. And I think there's so much out there that is tugging them in the direction of not liking themselves or, yes. or not, you know, being unacceptable or fix this, change that, that the only thing and it's so frustrating that it's like that, but the only thing we can do 
is model something different. That's yeah, like that's I it. can't change the entire world. You can't change the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. As much as we're trying with this podcast, <laughs> we can't. <laughs> so who would you, you've mentioned here who you would love to listen to the Bottle Mighty podcast. Is there anyone else you can think of that you think you'd just love to share this with? Oh, do you know, I kind of, part of me wants to say, I hope no one I know listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's honest. Say why. Well, sounds really weird. I feel really I feel quite vulnerable about it. Um, I've never, you know, like us talking today, I've never shared my story before. And I, um, except a little bit to a couple of close friends, but um, I feel like we kind of, you know, on the podcast, it's there's a little bit controversial things and stuff that people might not agree with and, or they've never heard the, you know, it's a new concept to them. So yeah, I kind of, I do feel a bit vulnerable about it. So <laughs> half of me hopes no one I know hears it. <laughs> but then the other half of me, yeah, I'm so, so proud. Yeah, I'm so proud of what we've done. I want everyone to hear it. So I'm kind of torn. <laughs> what about you? I want the old me to come along and listen to it. Don't you? Yeah, gosh, I wish this had been around when I was younger, for sure. So what is mm. one thing that you want people to know about you now? Okay, I could not figure out how to answer this, so I'm going to have to get you to answer it, and then I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to say. I've got a blank piece of paper. I love so, it. Okay. Michelle, so what is the one thing you want people to know about you? I think I want people to know that I'm happy and in my body, and I'm not trying to lose weight. Um, do I want to be thin? God, yes. Of course I would. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to have the ideal body in a world that values that? you know, above almost anything else. Do I think it's worth trying to get to that? No, I don't. Like my mental health is the best it's ever been. <laughs> you know, I don't want to talk about diets. You know, like I think people maybe think that I want to, because I'm in a bigger body, that maybe I do want to chat about their latest diet or anything. No, I'm I'm really not interested. I find it quite triggering. Um, I find it even harder being around people talking about how they can't bear their body because they're so fat, you know, like that I find that incredibly um, hard to listen to as well. So, yeah, I guess I just want people to know that, you know, I'm happy. I'm good. I don't need your pity. Um, I'm living my life. I'm chasing my dreams. Mm. I'm cool. Like, I'm great. Yay. <laughs> I don't need your pity and I don't need your latest quote unquote lifestyle advice. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. There is a t-shirt out there you can buy that, that says, I don't give a bleep about your diet, Susan, which is, oh. has been tempting to purchase. One thing I think could be helpful for people to know about me is because I have spoken about this kind of thing before that I have shared um, body positive, um, anti-diet, health at every size, fat acceptance content, is that I know I might seem quite opinionated and um, uh, rigid and um, my husband nicely used the word righteous the other day which I think he meant to be negative but I kind of took it as positive but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I just want people to know that I, I am I'm actually quite a soft person like I'm mm. not I you do you know what I mean don't you oh, like, yeah I, yeah I I worry that perhaps I come across as a bit sort of bristly and spiky and um, full of conviction and, you know, 
unchangeable and all of that kind of stuff. I'm actually quite a soft, anxious, introverted person. (laughs) I just want people to know that, you know, that I'm approachable and that I, you know, that I'm open to having my mind changed too, Mm, because I I don't, I, I want people to know that this work and, and the, these ideas and things are, you know, they, there's, there isn't any, there isn't any black and like we're here for the nuance as well, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, and you can, you know, you can still want to be thin, as you said, and I too still want to be thin, but understand that it's an unhelpful, unsustainable mm. pursuit um, mm. and not do it. And it comes at a great cost. Yeah. And I get frustrated because there's a sense of you have to be one or the other. You have to choose if you're going to never shave under your armpits, never wear makeup, never straighten your hair or be a fully fledged, you know, pro this. You don't have to choose. Mm. You can, this is, this is about liberation and confidence and that will look different for everybody. Oh, I think that's so important. It's so important. And it's like, I don't also equally, I don't want people to feel that, if they're trying to lose weight, we think they're a bad person or that they're wrong. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's a really important point to note. Like, you know, this is us and where we're at on our journey and everyone's different. It's not black and white. Like you say, it's very nuanced. Absolutely. And there'll be some episodes that resonate for you and some that might not. Yes. But I hope that people take, you know, that they take something from it and, and accept, accept the things that make sense for them. Yeah. And leave the things that don't. Yeah, yeah, because I, I guess I just don't want people to think that I'm a zealot. Um, yes. But yes, also sometimes a bit righteous, I suppose, apparently. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so um, to end on a on a less intense note <laughs> than perhaps um, the whole podcast has been, what's your star sign <laughs> and can you bear pineapple on pizza? Go for it. The world is waiting. Okay, I know this is so exciting. Um, I'm a Cancerian. My birthday is the 17th of July. Please send gifts. And (laughs) I absolutely can be a pineapple on pizza. I like pineapple on pizza. Mm, That's interesting. How about you? Yeah, I don't know a lot about star signs, but I'm a Taurus. And when I read the description of a Taurian, I'm like, oh my God, yes. (laughs) So (laughs) me. Um, Pineapple on pizza, look, I'll eat it. I mean, I... I pretty much will eat anything, you know, like I'm, I'm the world's unfussiest person when it comes to food. I wouldn't go out of my way to put it on though. But if I came to your house for dinner and you made me a pizza with pineapple, sure, I'll eat it. You're so accommodating. <laughs> I find it funny the people who say, no, pineapple's a fruit. And I'm like, what did you think? What do you think tomato is? <laughs> so true. On that fruity note, we say goodbye. Farewell. <laughs> You have been listening to Bod Almighty, the podcast that gives you practical how-to steps towards body acceptance and confidence. You can find us on Instagram at Bod Almighty Podcast. Please do get in touch to let us know if you have any questions or suggestions. We love to hear from you. From both of us, thank you and goodbye.